Hello and welcome to yet another episode of The Fitness Solution. I hope you're all well. I hope you're all wonderful wherever you might be when you are listening to this podcast. I know recently it's been snowing a lot in the United Kingdom. I hope you've all been enjoying the snow responsibly, not slipping over and things like that. And I also hope that obviously if you're in a lockdown at the moment, that it's not been too harsh on you and that hopefully looks like the end is in sight very, very soon for very many people, which is wholly encouraging, I'm sure. Now, today I've got an Australian dietitian on the podcast. I asked on my Instagram stories not so long ago, uh, what kind of blog posts would you like me to write what content you want me to work on this month and things like that. I like to ask my audience to get ideas and I got given a really good question. And the question was, is it healthier to be vegetarian or vegan than it is to be omnivorous? Is that the word? Omnivorous? Omnivorous? Um, and I don't know. Like, I genuinely don't know. Obviously, I understand there are benefits between eating more vegetables and more fruit into your diet as standard. Um, but also conversations about health, I like to try and facilitate as opposed to necessarily weigh in on because I'm not a doctor and I don't think a personal trainer's position to comment on health is necessarily their place. I think my place, again, in that instance is to facilitate movement and to incorporate that into a lifestyle change that moves you maybe to a healthier place. But that doesn't mean that seeing a PT will make you healthy. That's not for me to judge. That's for your doctor to judge. So that's that. So what I did is I sought out a dietitian whose job it is to be able to talk about these things. And he's very well trained in it. And his name's Aidan Muir. Um, doesn't sound too Australian, does he? But when you hear him, he's very Australian. And we had an awesome, awesome chat. He's the first Australian to come onto the Fitness Solution whilst I've been in Australia, uh, which is very exciting as well. So basically, you're going to hear the beautiful conversation Aidan and I had all about whether it is healthier to be a vegetarian or vegan as opposed to eating meat. Hope you love it. I hope you enjoy it. And I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to The Fitness Solution, and on the other end of the line, this is a great honor for me because this is the second Australian that I've had on the podcast, but it's the first Australian I've had on the podcast whilst I've been in Australia. So it's a real honor, and my guest today is Aidan, and Aidan Muir. Is it Muir? M-U-I-R. Yeah. That's a Scottish yeah. name. Have you got Scottish descent? It is Scottish, yeah, that's right, yeah. Have you got Scottish descent? Uh, yeah, so my grandparents are from Scotland. Oh, amazing. Whereabouts? I wouldn't have a clue, actually. I think um, Glasgow <laughs> is what's coming to my mind, but I don't Glasgow. Yeah, Glasgow yeah. is lovely. Um, I prefer Edinburgh. Edinburgh is the, my most favourite city in the world. If you've never been, I'd suggest you go. It's gorgeous, Edinburgh. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, but yeah, so it's Aidan Muir. And he's here to talk to us today about um, the benefits, the advantages, the disadvantages, the all-encompassing ideals and thoughts around the thought of becoming vegetarian, or we might take it a step further and discuss veganism. I personally am pescatarian, um, and I have my own views on this, but 
someone asked me on Instagram, what is, um, what is the advantages, strict benefits of going vegetarian for health? And health isn't a discussion I like to get into too much as a personal trainer. I talk about fitness. I teach people, you know, what creates weight loss and what creates weight gain and things like that and how best to maximize their training. I try and avoid the issues of health because I'm not a doctor um, or a dietitian, which you obviously are. And so I think you're in a much better position to discuss this with me. So I'm really looking forward to this chat because in fact, it's something I've wondered about for a long time. And I'm gonna learn as much on this as, as anyone else. So um, yeah, uh, I suppose we better start at the top. What's the advantages of being vegetarian for health? <laughs> yeah, so this this is an interesting topic that I, I wanted to get into a little bit as well because, like, personally, I'm not vegetarian, I'm not vegan. Um, if I thought it was going to be a dramatic improvement, because longevity is something I've got a little bit of, um, I care about that a little bit. I care okay. about health, all these kind of things. So I'm like, if I thought it was an overwhelming thing, um, I would I'd probably make the switch. Um, but it, it is something that I'm like, well, there's so many obvious benefits as well. Firstly, if we, if we look at it in terms of just that longevity discussion, I could be butchering this, but on average, vegans tend to live about eight years longer. Oh, wow. And that's, that's something that we can't ignore. Right. Like, it's kind of like when we, when we boil it down to the simplicity of this, it's like, well, that's, that's obviously a correlation with better health. But there is a lot of nuance to this take. One of the other things I wanted to go very, very clearly is there is overwhelming evidence of the benefits of more fruits and vegetables. Yes. If you are eliminating <laughs> I am, I, animal products. I am all for eating more fruits and vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> and like we were just chatting about Instagram earlier and like, like I put out all these posts that try to grab attention, all these kind of things. But it's like at, at the end of the day, like fruits and vegetables, like that, that's a boring thing to talk about. But it's like, I wish I could sit here all day talking about that. Um, yeah, it, it's... It's an interesting discussion. Like there's overwhelming evidence to the benefits of fruits and vegetables. If you're eliminating meat and if you're eliminating animal products, you're probably going to eat more fruits and vegetables. Um, you could switch the debate and be like, well, you could also do, the, do both at the same time. You can eat more fruits and vegetables while having animal products and all these kind of things. That makes it more complex. But one of the things that I'm, I want to post about today as well, actually on Instagram, but I was thinking about this in terms of less than 10% of Australians have five serves of vegetables, which from memory is about 225 grams. Each day. The recommended amount, yeah, the recommended amount for men is 300 grams. So it's kind of like, yeah, each day, sorry. So each yeah, day. Yeah. So if less than 10% of Australians are doing that, that means even lower are doing that. And then it's also being like, well, what percentage of those people are vegetarian or vegan? Because a large percentage of those people probably are getting that amount of yeah. vegetables. So it's like pretty much saying, if you're not vegetarian or vegan, there is a very slim chance you are actually implementing this whole idea of being able to get that amount of fruits and vegetables or like when you add in fruits into the mix actually is about 5% of Australians are doing the recommended amounts wow. of fruits and vegetables. And wow. once again, what percentage of vegan and vegetarian? Like it, it makes it a really interesting discussion. Um, but yeah, let, let's get into the details. Is there any, anything specific, well, any specific angles you want yeah, to go at? No, I, I mean, I mean, first things first, and I'm sure you will, uh, you will completely agree with this. I think, I think whenever you eliminate something from a diet, whether that be some form of calories, whether that be you go keto and you, you just basically take out all carbohydrates, whatever, you're going to naturally replace that with something else, aren't you? And, and the replacement yeah. of fruits and vegetables into your diet is, is never going to be... I, would there, is there any way that there, there'll be a negative drawback of doing that? Yes, so there, there is. I'll, I'll start off with the positive. So I'll start off with like... It's, it's not even as simple as just like completely replacing it because one and like you already know this but like one of the things like 
I know statistically is vegans average 15% fewer calories. Right. Um, that's obviously going to carry over to a lot which of factors of health. Which also explains, which clearly explains the reason when people go vegan, they lose weight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, that doesn't mean, hey, you go vegan, guarantees less calories. No, no, of it's course. Like people, yeah, that, people and there's a lot of junk food in the vegan food. market. Yeah, it, it's, it's possible to have a lot of calories on a vegan diet. But mm. it's just like when we look at averages, most people eat fewer calories. Um, when it's like, can this go badly? Is there any downsides of it? Um, I do have like a whole list of things up in front of me, but like awesome. the most obvious one, B12 um, yep. it is pretty much exclusively in animal products. So it's like, as a vegetarian, if you're having dairy and eggs, you can, you can still get it pretty comfortably. Mm -hmm. If you go down the route of a vegan diet, you need to supplement B12 in some way, whether that is through, and it gets debatable, but like nutritional yeast and stuff like that, which is fortified with B12, or more likely literally taking a B12 supplement. Like that is a necessary part of the process. And what's um, B12 it, useful for? Um, the ones that come to my mind straight away are nerve function and yep. red blood cells. So you can get a form of anemia if you go low mm -hmm. in B12. So a lot of people will start feeling fatigue and stuff like yep. that. That's the first red flag. But with the nerve damage, to the best of my knowledge, if that gets to a certain point, that's irreversible. And it's basically saying like, if somebody ignores that first red flag of fatigue or anything like that, or they don't really notice or anything like that, they don't go see a doctor and they're not aware of this B12 factor, um, that can create issues because that that's irreversible. Like, so it's kind of like, and that, that would take over well over 12 months to develop. That's a slow process to get to that point. Yep. But it's one of the reasons why if you go down this route, it's like, well, you should do a little bit of research because it's like, even if you just Google, what do I need to know to go vegan or whatever? This is going to be the first thing that comes up. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's a simple one. There's a whole bunch of other nutrients that are harder to get. Okay. The B12 is the one that's like, you pretty much can't get without supplementing. Okay. Interesting. And, and then what about like on TikTok recently, if we're just going down the route of the increase of fruits and vegetables on TikTok recently, which is a fun place you on TikTok. Oh, I spend way too much time on there. I, I make this joke, but I, I got on there for business purposes. Yeah, me too. And now you're just, <laughs> just watching. Procrastination. <laughs> yeah. I'm watching. I watch cricket clips on there more than anything else. I think. Yeah. And oh, um, the algorithm is so good. It knows what you want. It's <laughs> unreal. And um, and on the, I got into a massive argument. So I did. I did a post that's exploded. Um, I don't know what it's up to, but it's done very well um, in relative terms to me. And uh, it was one of the points on it. It was like ten. 10 unpopular truths about nutrition. And one of those points was you will never get fat from eating too many fruits or vegetables, right? Um, like fruits and vegetables are not the reason people are getting fat. And then someone came on there and uh, basically started taking it apart in terms of, he cited some study about um, how those leads to all the rest of it and everything else as you go down that, that rabbit hole. And I mean, the, the, the research he cited was very poor. It was very, um, it was very one-sided, but it basically came down to, it was something to do with uh, reduced liver function. I think it was. Um, yeah. And, and it can lead to liver failure if you have too much fructose, um, which yeah. seemed just absurd to me. Like, I think you'd have to be overeating your, your fruit to a ridiculous yeah. degree. And like going on to onto that topic with the flaws in that research is I can pretty much guarantee because this is how most of the research on this topic works that in that particular study they would have used something like 150 grams of fructose like a lot mm. a, a lot of fructose um more than people are naturally going to be able to get but the really complex part of this is it would have been straight fructose 
pretty much nothing. That's an exaggeration, but pretty much all fruits aren't just fructose. It's fructose Mm -hmm. plus glucose. So that therefore means you're not just getting 150 grams of carbohydrates slash sugar from fruit. You were going significantly above that to get that. And it is paired with that. It's also paired with fiber, all these kind of things. Whereas in these studies, they're just doing straight fructose in amounts that you were just not going to be able to get. Like, one of the clear-cut things, and this is really interesting in that like a lot of this mechanistic data comes from um, basically research on rodents. Like This is a separate topic. Okay. You give a rodent excessive fructose, they gain a lot of body fat, it causes issues to their livers, all these kind of things. You give humans fructose in a normal context, as in through food, not through just straight fructose, and it doesn't have much difference in terms of health, or it doesn't really have any difference in terms of health, body composition, anything versus other forms of carbohydrate. It's only when we do these extreme studies that this happens. Yeah. Um, so it is definitely an interesting topic and you can get caught in the weeds, so to speak. Like you can get uh-huh. caught on a mechanism, but it's like when we put this into practice as to how people eat food, it doesn't really work that way. No, and I suppose you kind of only really have to look through the history of, um, of humanity and like look at the country we're in, the, the Aborigines, um, you know, and you look at the natives of, of, most, of most countries, the Maoris over in, uh, in New Zealand or... Um, the Native Americans in, in India, uh, sorry, not in India, oh, the Native Americans in America, um, it's because I was like, don't call them Indians, don't call them Indians, <laughs> I'll put them in the wrong country. Like, you know, a big part of their diet for many years, I imagine, was fruit um, and vegetables. And they were not overweight populations, were they, at all, really, um, when, when the Europeans kind of came across them. Uh, so, and they lived very active lives and lived very well from what I can tell and what I've seen. I haven't looked into it massively. I think, yeah, I think the whole, the whole fruit makes you fat thing is just, it's so, it's so beyond common sense. It's, and that's, that's really like, that's really what I look for first. It's like, what is the overwhelming common sense opinion throughout the population of the world? really think about this and then when you find like a pocket of you know a hundred thousand people who are just like so hardcore about it i'm probably going to side with the main the main side of the population um yes yeah no one i was gonna say yeah it seems really simple when you put it like that and like sometimes i i think it's important to look at from both angles like we know context we know calories and macros we know how these work and it's kind of like say i was setting up somebody with a diet with 150 grams of carbohydrate for example and they were able to get 100 grams of carbs through fruit, which honestly is pretty hard to do. Like it takes a bit yeah. of effort to do that. Then you're like, well, maybe that's 200. That's too much fruit, sorry, for their specific goals. But that is a really rare situation to get into. And you can also not make the argument that that's making them gain weight because I'm putting that in the context of somebody in a calorie deficit on restricted carbohydrates. Exactly. Um, that's not low carb. That's just less than the average person is having. Um, so like there is that context, but it's kind of like this, when you look at it through this lens of context, you're like, it's going to be a very rare situation where we need to worry about this. And fruit is so much more satiating than a lot of other forms of carbohydrate as well. So most people are going to get full before they eat too much. Yes. Also because of the amount of fiber in it, which is my next point. Exactly. Like, so the, the higher fiber in the fruit and in the vegetables is, is overly beneficial to your system. And you don't get that. You don't get anywhere near the same amount of fiber on just the meat diet, do you? Yeah, oh, yeah. If, 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 like, if we go in point blank, like carnivore diet, well then, yeah, mm. no doubt. And that's actually one of the things, like, because I, I wrote down a few like dot points as like, I'm like, these are topics I cannot miss in this discussion. Yeah, 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 like, no, pretty well. One of, the, one of the clearest things we have in terms of evidence is that 
increased fiber intake um, basically goes up, like it goes in correlation basically with improved health outcomes. Like the higher okay. fiber gets, the better health gets. Um, that is obviously not a very nuanced take because like, mm -hmm. I think if you go excessively high fiber, that's going to cause other issues, particularly like GI distress, bloating, all those. I've just written that down. I was like, can you overdo yeah. fiber? <laughs> yeah. So like you, you can over, you can overdo it, but like when we're looking at stuff like cardiovascular disease risk and all these other things, um, increased fiber is correlated with decreased risk of all these things. Um, mm -hmm. It's correlated with decreased risk of cancer and stuff like that. It's such a, such a simple one, such something that's like so clearly defined in the research as one of the main benefits. And it's kind of like, if you go down a more plant-based diet, whether or not you are excluding animal products, if you are having more plant-based foods, you are increasing something that is very clearly linked with positive health outcomes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think that makes sense. But then like, so like the flip side of the vegan diet or the vegetarian diet, um, and if you don't know the difference, basically vegan is no animal kind of produce at all. So that includes dairy and eggs. Whereas vegetarian, you'd allow yourself some dairy and eggs. I'm sure there's some other nuances as well, but they're the ones that mainly spring to mind. Um, is I, I noticed personally, like I eat a lot of like soy protein. I eat a lot of like, um, you know, like corn and things like that. And my big concern about that, and this is a question I've had in my head for years, um, ever since I kind of went vegetarian, well, I went, what happened to me is I went, I was eating, um, <laughs> it's quite a funny story actually, I was eating chicken wings quite quite a lot, um, just because it was handy for the gym and it was protein, I was like, it, it fills me up so it's fine, I can get through. And one day I ate, I ate like just too many chicken wings, I think, and I was so bloated and horrible after. And I just said to my fiance, who at this point had already turned vegetarian, she was like, why don't you just go vegetarian? And I was like, yeah, you know, I think I will. So I did. And then, well, I went pescatarian first. That didn't last too long. And then I went to vegetarian. Then last year I had some, like, some strange, like, got things going on. Like, I just felt really sick after I was eating food and stuff. So yeah. I spoke to another dietitian. I'm not sure if you know her, but her name's Sophie Medlin. She's amazing. She's a really, she's from the UK. She's be beautiful human. She's been on the, uh, been on the fitness solution too. She's in good company. But check her out, Sophie Medlin. And, um, and so I had a consultation with her. We cut out onion powder. We cut out. We had to cut out onion, garlic, and um, yeah. some other bits and bobs. And it was it was tough. Onion and garlic is in everything. It's in everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I do a lot of FODMAP work with yeah. friends, and like yeah. those are two main two main triggers. And it's like if you eat out, you're probably you're getting screwed. garlic and onion in your meal. Yeah, yeah. you're screwed. Um, so so we figured that out. But then I went to a restaurant where I couldn't find an option without it, so I had to have fish. Uh, so, and then I was like, well, I'll just go pescatarian and that might help fix whatever's going on. And luckily it did. I'm not, it was just, I'm a one case. I'm not saying fish will cure any, um, digestive issues you have. Uh, and I'm from there. Yeah. But I'm, I'm very concerned. So I'm digressing. And now I'm pescatarian. That was my journey. But I've always been very concerned that these forms of protein, these soy proteins, these, um, corns, these things like that, uh, like Linda McCartney sausages and things like that. I, are they very overly processed in the same sense that like a bag of chicken nuggets would be or some fish fingers would be? Is it, it do, do you lose the, do you lose like the benefit? You know how like we're like, let's try and avoid higher processed foods. Does that translate into this kind of veg or is the payoff of getting that protein worth the cost of the processed foods? Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that is a really, really complex topic. Like I, I think as a general rule, it probably makes sense to limit processed food to a certain degree. It also makes sense to not overdo any one thing to a certain degree. Like mm -hmm. even using soy as, as, as a topic, like that's a, that's a nuanced topic in itself in terms of like 
impacts on estrogen. Um, yep, it's not perfect. Even like it? thyroid hormones and stuff like that. Yep. Like, like a lot of people are like, oh, it doesn't matter at all. Like it doesn't increase this in normal amounts. And other people are like, oh, it's super, super dangerous. Like it, it raises yep. estrogen instantly. Um, the, the answer once again is in the middle. It's kind of like if these case reports where it is causing issues, like people are having two plus liters of soy milk every day. And it's kind of like, well, if you go excessively, it probably has a little bit of an impact. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we've, we've like on um, the process topic, like I think it makes sense to have like at least 80% of your diet coming from minimally processed foods. Like I okay. think that's a good guideline. The, the last like 20, 10 to 20% doesn't seem to matter that much. Like I'm somebody who has protein powder most days. That yeah, is a processed here. food. Um, it doesn't contain any micronutrients. Like it's obviously good to focus on getting micronutrient rich foods. It, as we were talking about fiber, that doesn't contain any fiber. Like it makes sense to get fiber, all these kind of things. Um, but it's just such a small percentage. And like from the health outcomes perspective, protein becomes like when we're looking at it through that angle and not from the gym angle, protein becomes more complex because it's kind of like a lot of the populations who well, are associated with longevity. A lot of people who live longer typically don't have excessively high protein diets. Um, typically they're on the lower end. They are more plant-based, all of these kind of things. And they're not necessarily overly focused on protein. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a complex debate because we also know once people get over the age of like 60, particularly 70, higher protein intake is much like it's greatly associated with longevity at that stage because it's mm-hmm. kind of looking at if somebody has more muscle mass, they're less likely to fall. If somebody yep. falls and fractures a hip, they're not able to exercise for how long if you can't exercise for how however long that rehab yeah, process takes. So it's like it's like a ripple, it's like a ripple in the water. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. It like extends to a lot of things. Like if you can't move, like how's your heart health going to be if you haven't exercised for six months? Like it, it makes sense. So it's kind of like that becomes a priority later in life. But it seems like earlier in life, higher protein isn't necessarily associated with longevity. And like that, that's painful for me because as I said, I care about longevity. I also care about powerlifting. Um, so it's kind of like, I, I would, like they're, they're not the same goal. They are different goals. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, but it's an interesting debate basically. So yeah, I, I don't have a great answer on the processed foods in terms of like no. you don't want a large percentage of your food to become from processed foods, but like a small amount. And if you want to prioritize your protein intake and you've got to get there in some way, then it, it makes sense to try and do a bit of a mix of both. Of course. And then, so, so let's say that, right? So I suppose see, what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing here is I'm hearing, um, don't see, I probably have like, in the same way someone would have a chicken breast with their dinner, I probably have a portion of soy or protein for dinner. Yeah. Now in my head, you're saying, you know, like 80, 20, like don't make it all of your foods and stuff like that. In my head, I'm going, having that every day is too much processed food. But in truth, it's not because it's not even a quarter of my plate. It's I'm having it once a day, maybe sometimes possibly twice a day if I might have some at lunch or something like that. Like it's about that grand scheme, isn't it? Like in my head, I'm panicking going, God, I've probably had this every day for yeah. a while. Um, and that, that must be having an effect on me somehow. But then actually in the context of an 80-20 discussion, 80% of my foods being whole vegetables, being you know well-caught fish because I'm pescatarian, being just water fruits and vegetables like um or breads and stuff like that um i'm like actually i'm probably i'm probably keeping it within that 20 percent marker it just so happens that 20 percent marker happens to be the protein source of the food i eat yeah yeah exactly yeah that that that's actually taken a big weight off my mind yes um <laughs> it feels great and then i suppose the other thing that really springs to mind in this discussion for me is like the conversation around eating meat 
that leads to cholesterol, which is a topic I always get very confused on. Um, and it might be wrong to lump all this on you at the same time, but let's go for it. Cholesterol, uh, yeah. higher, higher blood pressure in relation to, yeah. to overconsumption of meat, um, and then also um, uh, like cancer um, in terms of how long and how long it takes to digest, you know, beef particularly in the colon and things like that and stuff. And is, is that something to worry about? Yeah. So obviously this is so, so much to go through. I'll, I'll go through... So cholesterol, blood pressure, then cancer. So okay, cool. I think that's a good way to do it. Yeah. We've um, cholesterol, the first one, and like this is, it, it's a disappointing thing for a lot of people in the plant-based community here to start off with, but like dietary cholesterol doesn't have that big of an impact on blood cholesterol. Um, a lot of people will target eggs and stuff like that. It's a yeah. lie to say it does not impact it at all. But most of the cholesterol in our body, in our blood, which is what we care about, is synthesized in our own body. Um, arguably, saturated fat has vastly more of an impact on it than dietary cholesterol does. Right. Um, more complex than that, though, and I think this is underrated, is how lean people are, what, how low their body fat is in relation to that. In terms of if, and like, this isn't what people want to hear, but if you lose five plus percent of your body weight and most of that's coming from body fat it probably vastly outweighs how much saturated fat you're having it probably vastly outweighs a lot of these other dietary changes like there's the most clear-cut example i can think of that is there is there is studies that have been done um where people have dramatically improved their dietary quality in terms of one comes to mind where people decrease their quote-unquote discretionary intake as in like junk food by 20 mm. serves where each serve was about 30, sorry, 300 calories. So 20 serves over the course of each week um, and replace that with more nutritious foods. And their cholesterol didn't change. Um, they dramatically increased their intake of fish while reducing their intake of higher fat red meat and stuff like that. Um, they increased their legumes intake, their whole grain intake. Um, they just added more healthy fats and stuff like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cholesterol didn't change, blood glucose levels didn't change, um, blood pressure didn't change. Whereas every study I've seen where people lose 5% body weight, all of these markers of health improve in terms of cholesterol, blood pressure, blood glucose levels. Even if somebody's doing a ketogenic diet and they happen to have really high saturated fat, on average, there's a dramatic improvement in these markers. That doesn't mean every single person in these studies experiences benefits, but it just means when that happens, on average, most people get improvement. So it's kind of like, and same thing for blood pressure as well. They seem to outweigh that. Just the same as with blood pressure, we talk about sodium a lot. We talk about salt a lot. Um, same thing, if somebody loses 5% or more of their body weight, it seems to matter more. That's not to say all these other factors don't matter, but it's kind of like coming back to that topic in terms of vegans averaging 15% lower calorie intake, that can also mask a lot of these other things as well, if that makes sense, in terms mm -hmm. of they are experiencing benefits. Like that's a complex topic. Um, did you have any questions on that before I start talking about cancer? No, I, I mean, that makes, it makes perfect sense to me. It's interesting. It's kind of like, it seems like to me, it's like, it's like you can either focus on, it's like if you're in the gym and you're wanting to lose weight, it's like, don't do bicep curls, like do overhead presses, do rows, do deadlifts, do squats, right? It's like, if you're focusing on these little things too much to try and get a bigger outcome, like you, you, you're missing the bigger picture, yeah? So the bigger picture from what I'm hearing you saying is our body weight is the biggest factor that determines these things. And our body composition, which obviously we'd prefer 
a, a leaning towards muscle as opposed to visceral and um, subcutaneous fat, um, will improve these health markers as a byproduct without you necessarily having to overly worry on everything else. Now, I understand the nuances of losing weight and how hard that is for so many people and things and stuff like that. So I can see why they find comfort in targeting these little things because it feels more under their control yeah. than people who have constantly tried to lose weight and failed to lose weight. And they're in this kind of constant cycle, which is something that I constantly try to um, try to work against. That's like that's really what I think is key here. It's like stop focusing on the minutiae. When there's when you can really target the bigger picture and five percent of your body weight and like that gets like this might this might sound a bit um terse but the heavier you are the easier that would be to achieve yeah um, I, I agree with, yeah literally yeah. everything you just said there i, th I think yeah. you summed it up pretty nicely mm. um don't we, do bicep curls you're a power lifter you don't yeah. do bicep curls yeah. do you yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I love my bicep curls but uh, <laughs> they're not programmed very often like a true um, australian <laughs> <laughs> Um, we, with the cancer stuff, so that's where it gets more complex. And this is like, this is another really important discussion to have overall, I guess, like the concept of healthy user bias and how that affects research. Um, where if you're just looking at research, where it's just basically looking at variables being like, um, do vegans live longer? Do vegans have less risk of cancer? All of these things, we've got to bring healthy user bias into that. It's, um, a lazy argument to use if you're trying to use that as your only argument in either direction, but it is something that we need to be aware of. So healthy user bias is basically the concept that somebody who eats a more plant-based diet probably also does a lot of other good things to the health in comparison to somebody who has a really high intake of red meat. Like yeah. we, we know, we've been told for years and years we should limit our intake of red meat. If somebody's still choosing to do that, what else are they also choosing to do? Are they more likely to smoke than somebody who is vegan? Are they more likely to drink alcohol? Are they less likely to exercise? Like there's so many factors. Um, that comes into play with the cancer discussion in terms of like, how does meat intake overall affect that? How do plant, uh, how does um, animal intake, animal like in terms of dairy and stuff like that? Like if we look at, I'm gonna use dairy as an example, just cause this is something that's been talked about quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Dairy doesn't really seem to be linked with cancer. Prostate cancer, the research is actually leaning in favor of dairy being linked with that, but all other forms of cancer, it's not really. But that's another complex debate because it's kind of like the more calories you consume, the more at risk of cancer you are. Dairy is pretty calorie dense in comparison to vegetables. Like when we look at it from that perspective, we're like, that makes it even more complex. Um, but to be, be specific, my, my current view on it as an overall topic is assuming calories, macros are matched, fiber intake is matched, you have an optimized amount of fruits and vegetables in an overall healthy omnivorous diet. Meat intake in general doesn't seem to be that linked with cancer if it's leaner cuts of meat. Right. Exception to that, red meat and bowel cancer. Yeah. That seems more complex. That seems to be like the link there seems strong enough. And like, this is something I'm happy to be wrong on. Like um, mm -hmm. it's something that I've thought about a lot. I've spoken about with a lot of people yeah. and my current take on it is that red meat and bowel cancer, there still seems to be a link even after you manipulate all these variables. Cause they do, they, the researchers are aware of this healthy user bias and they try mm -hmm. to account for it in their research. And the link with red meat and bowel cancer is so strong that it still seems to be there after. If I'm wrong on that, that's okay. But my, my views at this stage is like, if you care about reducing your risk of bowel cancer, you probably shouldn't have an excessive amount of red meat. Um, the current guidelines are less than 455 grams of red meat per week. That seems to 
drastically reduce this link and processed meats as well, like stuff like bacon, like anything that's processed is in this same category as red meat, which once again makes it more complex because it's like there's a difference between a lean cut of red meat and a high fat cut of red meat, but like it's all just lumped into this whole group. But yeah. it, it, it's at the point that I'm like, you probably should be limiting intake of red meat to a certain degree, particularly with the knowledge that we can get protein from other sources to achieve that. But if somebody was going to go down the route of higher red meat intake, at least getting sufficient fiber and fruits and vegetables in general seems Whoa. to offset that risk a little bit. Okay, super. So again, it comes down to, like, so you're right. So that, I, it's time to conclude, I think. And really, I think the conclusion on all of this is your diet is one aspect of your lifestyle, albeit quite a key one. But from what I can kind of tell, it's like a balanced diet always wins over in every, like, it doesn't matter if you're vegan, if you're vegetarian, if you're pescatarian, or if you're omnivorous, keeping a balance is really important. Um, keeping it like an 80-20, even like it, with, with the cancer side of things, does, um, does the, the, the colon cancer or the bowel cancer, um, is that still related to 80-20? Like if you just stick to kind of 20% of your diet of being these red meats, you'll probably be okay. It reduces the markers in that or not? 20% of your diet from red meat would probably be over that guideline. That yeah, it probably would be. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I yeah. forgot about the guideline. Yeah, it's probably quite a lot, 20. I mean, yeah, yeah, like, but I suppose you don't have it every day, but like twice a week, you'll probably do okay. Twice right? a week, yeah. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Um, it generally sounds like to me, it's like, look, you need to create balance in all aspects of your life. Like I'm a big proponent of um, the word balance. I, I think it's probably the most important word in the English dictionary. Like it doesn't matter what situation you're in, you need balance. And I think... If you're omnivorous, you need balance. You need to create, you know, fruits and vegetables, and you should not prioritize meat at the detriment of that. Also, you should not prioritize not moving um, because that aligns with your views of uh, being omnivorous or like, I mean, I think everyone should move of, to some degree. Um, if you're vegetarian, you still need to move. If you're vegan, you still need to move. And you just need to find that balance across everything upon which you're doing. Um, I think it's generally, there, is, there seems to be no direct relationship to better health from veganism other than the fact that you might lose, you might lose some weight if you go there, but that's not a guarantee. I, I think also adding on to that, like, and this is, this is kind of my summary, what I, what I wanted to add on to that is basically yeah. like, um, it's all well and good for us to say in theory, oh, you can, have, you can have a perfect diet with an omnivorous diet, but it's also being like, as, as we said, like how many people are actually doing that versus how many people are actually like even though like yeah you might eat less calories you might lose weight all these kind of things it pretty much guarantees that your your vitamin and mineral intake increases because you're probably right. going to be having more fruits and vegetables all these kind of things you're having more fiber you're having all these things associated with um positive health outcomes so like i, I kind of want like my summary to be a positive note being if you do make mm. the decision like you're kind of probably guaranteeing that you're going to have a healthier diet overall like it's not okay. locked in you still would actually do it yeah, of course. But it puts the odds in your favor of you actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. Because, and that's something I found when I chose, well, I've done two major restrictions in my life in terms of my diet. One was I went 0% alcohol. So I only drank 0% beer and that was great. And I really enjoyed it. It's something I really should get back into. And the other thing is, is I, I went vegetarian and pescatarian. And I found that by limiting your options greatly, like I, I went into a restaurant 
I knew I couldn't have three quarters of the, the menu. And I never missed it because I knew I couldn't have it, right? And, and by giving yourself strict guidelines, you can then find the freedom within those strict guidelines and it actually aids you to make those choices. Um, whereas if you kind of say, oh, I'm going to do it, and then you kind of, and you're a bit wishy-washy, you have to create those bright lines with which you can then, I always say you can find freedom within the structure. You have to build that structure first and then find your freedom within it, as opposed to just kind of think you're going to do it. Because if you think you're going to do it, you're probably never actually going to execute. Set your lines, set your stall out, and stick to that as your principle. Yeah, um, I like that. I think generally the overall conclusion is just eat more fruits and vegetables, right? Yeah, hundred percent. <laughs> Listen, buddy, I know you've got a run to your clients in ten minutes. Um, thanks so much for coming on, Aiden. It's been a really, really good topic of discussion, and I hope it really helps my listeners. In fact, I don't hope. I know. I know it will help my listeners greatly. Um, please, like, feel free to tell everybody how they can get hold of you because I think you're great. I think your stuff's great. And I've only been following you a week, but um, yeah, it's fantastic. And um, yeah, it's just nice to have great people in my life. And in yeah, my listeners' so, life, yeah, yeah. the The easiest way to find me um, is Instagram. So Aiden underscore V underscore Dietitian. It's not a very podcast friendly name, but that's that. It is what it is. It's okay. Um, I'll link. I'll link it in the show notes. Don't worry. Yeah, and the other place to find me is www.idealnutrition.com.au. Um, that's my website. That's where I try to put out longer form content. Obviously, Instagram is mm -hmm. relatively limiting in yep. that you can only do short form stuff. So that's mm -hmm. where like, I try and add more context and everything like that. Um, that's great. Yeah, apart from that, just thank you so much for having me. It's, it's no, my pleasure. It's, it's a really important discussion. And I think you ball up the word and it's a word I think we need to start using a lot more in this space, especially in the fitness space. Maybe you, I think you're better at it in the diet, dietetic space, um, but it's nuance. We need a lot more nuance about everything. Like I got into a war recently on Instagram about like haze and health at every size and stuff like that. And, and there's a doctor on there who seems to be constantly coming at me and stuff. And, um, and I, I think every turn it lacks, we're, we're both lacking nuance in that discussion. And I think we need to start applying it a lot more. You know, if you eat meat, add more nuance into your diet and, you know, get more colors onto your plate. If you're a vegetarian, that's great. Keep the colors up, you know, keep working for that and trying not to get into too many vegetarian junk foods. Makes sense. If you're vegan, same rules apply. Um, use nuance at every, you know, think about balance, think about nuance. And I think if you do that, you're not going to go far wrong. For sure. Definitely agree. Absolutely. Thank you so much, my friend. Um, thanks for coming on. And hopefully I'll speak to you again very, very soon. Cheers. Sounds good. Thank you. Awesome, buddy. I really hope you enjoyed that chat with Aiden. He's an absolute dude. And I really enjoyed having the conversation. And I loved how well balanced it was. I loved how honest it was. And hopefully it's given you some food for thought with regards to your diet. Listen, if you have any questions about any of my podcasts or anything like that, then please feel free to drop me a message on Instagram, on email, adam at thegymstarter.com. And I'd love to take the conversation further. It's important that we remain engaged in these conversations and it's important that they come up. The other thing I want to say is if you want to work with me, then you can. If you live on the Gold Coast, you can work with me in person as a one-to-one -one, uh, personal trainer-client uh, relationship. And I now work at Vision Bundle in um, like Vision Personal Training in Bundle on the Gold Coast, which is truly exciting. And I can't wait to get that up and running. 
The other places you can work for me if you're not lucky enough to live on the Gold Coast, if you're lucky enough to live somewhere else in the world, you can work with me online as a one-to-one -one client in my So Much More program. I vow that I can give you so much more online um, than many other people can. So please go to www.thegymstarter.com to find out all about that. And it would be my pleasure to assist you in your health, not your health, because I don't deal with health, in your fitness journey. See, it's such an easy thing to slip into. It's so, it's almost too easy for a personal trainer to sit there and go, you know what? I deal with health because we're, we're told that we should be able to, and, and we shouldn't. Like that came out so naturally because it's something I've been saying for such a long time. And only recently have I changed my viewpoint on it. I can't talk about health. So if you want to start your fitness journey, if you want to learn how to start and crucially succeed in your fitness journey, I am here to facilitate that for you. You can go online at www.thegymstarter.com and find out more about that there. Other than that, look, I really hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, like, do whatever you do with podcasts these days. It means an awful lot to me. And I'll speak to you very soon. Have a great day.